You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello, welcome to the program. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and this is Orange County's longest running business talk show. And boy, do we have a great, not just good, but a great show planned for you. Gita Sharifi is our guest. She's the Chief Financial Officer for Lifelong Learning Administration Corporation. Gita, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Rick, for having me. It's uh, nice to have you here. You've been a CFO since 2002, but I'm wondering, earlier in your career, college, what was your original motivation to pursue a career in finance? So I was, I had my major in computer science, and then I had a really close friend who uh, was in competition with me. So she changed her major to computer science, and I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm changing my major. <laughs> so that was the easiest thing because I, I worked in, in business departments. So I just picked finance. So that just started the whole thing. But I just love the critical thinking, this problem solving, and 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 numbers talk to you it's like a different language so i love it i believe the financial aspects of business are the language of business Mm -hmm. and as you and i were talking off camera uh, that really came home to me when i was studying for my mba at pepperdine Mm -hmm. because you understand they do tell a story and for a ceo or a business owner you need to understand the story that it's telling because investors, your banker, other people are, are talking that language to you and you need to be able to uh, answer the questions and, and and talk back, right? Right. It just tells a story, right? You look at the numbers and clearly it tells a story. But I think for us finance people, we can quickly pick it up. Oh, sure. Others, so. Yeah. So you've held senior financial positions with for-profit and not-for-profit organizations not-for-profit organizations. I'm wondering from your perspective, is there a difference in what's required of you as a CFO in each type of corporation? Mm, I think no, um, I can say, because um, everybody has high expectations. I mean, the CEOs I work with, they all had high expectation of their CFO. If a nonprofit can afford to have a CFO, um, I think the role is the same. Uh, you still need to have the bottom line, you know, to reinvest. You know, the only difference I can say is that the nonprofits don't pay taxes, but they have to reinvest back into their community. So the role of the CFO is the same. Um, it's just the, the structure of the organization is different. And that's one of the trends that I've seen, frankly, in the nonprofit space over some period of time is really professionalizing the operation of the nonprofit to approach it as a corporation, mission driven, but also Mm -hmm. with a healthy financial performance and kind of bottom line to some degree. Yeah. I mean, if, if we, for example, during the pandemic, if we didn't have good cash flow or financial health and didn't show a good bottom line, we couldn't qualify for any line of credit or, Um, any of that. So it really helps when, especially when um, donors uh, versus investors, right, in in a for-profit world, look at our numbers and how the business is actually doing. So, And I think there's, uh, 
for similar size nonprofits and for-profit organizations, many times the nonprofits have a deeper understanding of their long-term planning mm-hmm. and vision for the organization than many for-profit companies of a similar size. Would you Maybe. agree with that? Maybe, yeah. I mean, that it just depends, right? Everyday things change, you know, and you have to adapt to all the changes. But uh, the organization I work with, Lifeline Learning Administration Court, we're the management company that oversee um, over, um, I think I can say, 91 school sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so we served over close to 50,000 students last year. Um, the budget is uh, over $350 million, close to $400 million. So that's a big number for a nonprofit. And, um, but it runs the same. You know, we just have to track things more. There's more compliance because we get funding from federal government, state government. You know, so um, there's more regulations that we have to deal with because every grant or every funding could have different, you know, um, guidelines so it's just a lot of work (laughs) so uh, so i understand better and maybe for the audience as well specifically lifelong learning administration corporation what is the role that they play what is the service that you offer yeah so just to start um as we all know education is the gateway to a strong um, um community and economy right so what the goal is for the lifelong learning and what they do is they manage um, uh, charter schools. These are non-tuition based public schools. And um, mostly the, the students are dropout um, kids mm-hmm. or kids that you know were basically left out. I actually had uh, brought some statistics to share. So lifelong learning helps the schools um, to accomplish all of that. So they focus on um, kids to graduate, basically, majority of the dropouts. So we know um, about, um, you know, the graduation rate for K to 12 is about 83%. So what happens to the the 17%? Uh, We know that in 2021, about, um, uh, about, you know, 83% of the students graduated in California, which is one of the lowest, you know, in the nation. So that's about 296,000 kids that are just without jobs and without um, without any schooling or any graduate degree in, from high school. So all of that, I think, um, is important, you know, and we help the um, schools to accomplish that, you know, make sure that the kids do get the proper education. And the the schooling and the the whole idea of the lifelong learning to support the schools is to um, develop a curriculum that's personalized for the students. So I I don't know if you're familiar or the audience are familiar with IEPs. So if a student Mm -hmm. is in a special education, they receive individual education, um, uh, you know, personalized education. So we learn for life model that we um, oversee is a model of education. Um, they focus on that for every student and the ratio between the teacher and student is very low. So just imagine if every student receives an IEP, you know, not just a special education, that would just revolutionize the whole education model, right? Um, so that's what we do. And I'm very proud of that. 
So, so um, <clears throat> you might have just answered the question that I wanted to ask you, but in case there's more to the story, what attracted you to join LLAC? So I always loved, I was in healthcare prior to education. So my majority of my career, I was in healthcare. And um, as far as regulation is kind of similar, <laughs> a lot of regulation with sure. healthcare. Um, but um, I always thought the next move I, I do is in education because I just never stopped learning myself. You know, I, I got my PhD two years ago. Um, I think I've always been in school, even if I wasn't in school, I was taking a certificated course or going on a webinar or somehow learning con con continuously. And I I have created a learning um, community within my department as well. I just want them all to learn constantly. So, um, so I went into education. I, I was approached by Headhunter. So it wasn't something I was looking for, but that was my goal ultimately to be in education. I just love the uh, learning part and, and teaching others. And, and and so the the name of the organization m must have attracted you. Lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. I mean that speaks to who you and how you see yourself. So I can yeah. see that that's powerful. I want to get back to the mission and the role that they play to help with these charter schools. Mm -hmm. And where is this a national? Are you southern? Are you California based? Or who? What is yeah. your footprint as far as, who, so, as so you're working started, with? Yeah, they started in California. So we have about um, 90 school sites in California, but they've expanded nationally in the past couple of years. So they're in South Carolina, Texas, Ohio, Michigan, um, under Flex um, in Michigan and Ohio, different name, not Learn for Life. And then they also built an online program um, called mm -hmm. Stanza um, International Academy. So we have uh, we support students from Colombia, Korea, all over the world. And that was launched at the beginning of pandemic. So um, that's a great, great program, really, for um, students that want to roll in and, and get a um, high school degree that's accredited school in um, in in U.S. So. And that's such a um, foundational aspect to one's career is having a high school degree. And mm -hmm. so your statistics earlier of the hundreds of thousands of students who aren't able to achieve that for whatever reason, that, that's really a difficult way to start your professional life absent that education. So the role that LLAC is playing to bridge that gap with those people, that's that's a fundamental benefit that they're delivering for those for those students i'm sure yeah i mean there's about 1.2 million students that are dropouts you know for whatever reason mm. and we all know if they drop out they can you know get into um you know not good things and we also have a lot of pregnant teens actually in our schools we have um, a hope program that the pregnant teens can actually bring their kids to school while they're you know, doing their education and it's very flexible. Again, it's very personalized. So. Right. And that's the power of what you're able to do your organization, mm -hmm. which is to understand the mitigating reasons why a student isn't able to finish their degree and offer them compensation in some way for that so that they can actually be in class and finish their degrees. Fantastic. Exactly. I mean, when I, I used to be in, in mental health, uh, work for an organization in Orange County, one of the largest mental health organization for youth. And 
Um, we always call the services that they provided a wraparound service for mm -hmm. mental health because you have mental health, but there's other things that might cause that, right? So you want to solve everything. Same thing with education. I think people have barriers, and I think um, LLAC is there to support those um, students to achieve and, and be successful. And if, if the audience either listening live here on the different platforms that we stream or later through our podcast would like to learn more, we're going to give how to learn more about LLAC a little bit later in the show. Before we do that, though, Gita, I was wondering if you could share with us as a lifelong learner and professional, where do you go to get access to other financial executives who have insights and experiences that can help you in making the decisions that you're making as the CFO? Sure. I think I can go back for 20 years. I've been uh, volunteering, uh, volunteering for different organizations from public, private, nonprofit, you know, as a treasurer um, from schools everywhere. So um, right now, um, um, I actually started with CFO Leadership Council about four years ago. I was a founding member of the Orange County chapter. Um, also, I'm a co-chair. So they do a lot of educations for CFOs and um, C-level, that level of um, executives. And then I'm also a co-founder of the uh, Private um, Director Association. Uh, for Orange County, which just recently merged with the LA, so it's a South um, Cal Southern California um, uh, chapter. Mm -hmm. And um, through my time, I think I I served a lot, you know, through different um, organizations that I brought that knowledge back to my career, you know, whatever I was doing at the time. Uh, but um, constantly, I educate myself. Again, I <laughs> got my degree and PhD two years ago, so. I think I've been in school all my year. And I'm also an IRS enrolled agent. Um, mm. I don't know if you know what that is. A lot of people don't. It's like a CPA, but it's a federal license. So I can practice anywhere in the world. So I have to maintain it. I keep it active. And with that, I have to take a lot of um, courses so I can keep my accounting and federal law stuff on finances, um, you know, up to date. So um so that's how I learn. Sounds very active. And, you know, mm -hmm. you've mentioned the PhD, but what I, uh, what I found interesting in doing some background on you to get ready for this interview is that your PhD is in philosophy and in, in the area of organizational leadership. So mm -hmm. that might surprise people. I'm curious, why did you make that investment in that specific area and discipline? Right. So obviously, we all know leadership is important to know it, <laughs> right? How to lead. Um, but um, one thing that I was always told um, when I have auditors in my office doing some kind of an audit or a third party auditor was they always told me I'm, I'm a little bit different than other CFOs. Mm -hmm. And because I, I talk, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what? You know, um, so I think emotional intelligence is is a piece that I learned from my PhD program. It, it was an organizational leadership program or a degree, but it, it had psychology embedded in it. So through the exercises and all of that, I think I learned that. But what really attracted me to um, go and get my PhD um, was... Um, really my, mentoring my kids because I just wanted to show them that 
education continues. You never stop, right? Um, you just continuously have to educate yourself. So I think that was just something for me to, uh, a gift for my kids. <laughs> well, that, that's a, a powerful insight. And you're right. They learn by example. And your example, mm -hmm. you know, you're walking the talk, as we say. I'm wondering, as you went through your PhD program, was there anything in particular that you learned about yourself from being in that program? Yeah, I did. I mean, I think first off, I'm, I'm well aware of my um, things that I need to improve on. Um, and there's still a lot. We all have things that we need to always constantly improve on. But I learned how to be a good listener. I think, um, I don't think I was a good listener. I always thought I know the answer. And before um, we could talk with the team to come up with an answer, I thought I had the answer. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I learned um, how to be a better team player and be a better listener. What an important aspect and thank you for sharing that of leadership you know mm -hmm. sometimes when we think of the leader we don't always associate that with someone who has emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and is able to listen to the team but research has shown that up to 80 percent of a executive's success in their career can be attributed to those what we thought of as soft skills emotional intelligence of which leadership which listening is a key component. So thank you for kind of filling that in. That's that's interesting uh, self-discovery that comes again from education, right? right. You learn maybe about yourself as well as the subject matter that you're studying. So Right. And that's how you can, I think, retain your team, right? Because um, with my team, um, right now I have more than, I think, 50 people or 55 that report to me in finance. Hmm. And um through my career, I don't think I really have a high high turnover. And um, but I I try to develop my team so that they if they want to move on, you know, that I'm happy to help them to move on. So I think developing um, and learning and listening is is critical. So let's. In, I'm sorry. No, in any any C-suite, I guess yeah. <laughs> any leader. Right. In today's world, and I think it was always the case, but the rate of change is seems to be increasing mm -hmm. uh, with technology and a global connectedness, etc. And the organization will only grow as fast and as far as the leadership team is willing to go right. to learn and develop their skills, too. So true. Uh, it's a journey success. Yes. It's not a destination. All right, Gita, let's let's turn our attention back to LLAC and mm -hmm. What do you see or could you describe the vision for the future of the organization? I think vision is growth. Um, I would love to see this learn for life model um, grow. Um, I mean, we've learned through pandemic that, you know, we had some flaws in our education model. Um, there was no flexibility, but um, learn for life model has been in place for the past 20 years. So um, I think we're experts in that. And I think flexibility is critical and, and personalizing education is important. So I like to see that grow. So that's the goal of the organization to grow and, and um, be very strategic um, in supporting students nationwide. 
Yes, and I, you know, um, we were talking just this morning that there's a long tail of impact from COVID. We're sort of still de dealing with much of the immediacy of the virus, et cetera, but the social aspects of it and maybe deeper psychological aspects of what COVID has done to the society will only manifest over time. My sense is the mission and vision that you have with the executive team for your organization will even be more important moving forward for those people that are kind of impacted by COVID. Yeah, we, we hope so. Our schools are year round. So through COVID, mm -hmm. our schools did not close. So which was really good. I mean, we were able to be in touch with the students. And we had, I think, over 2000 or 2500 graduates um, wow. during COVID. So um, I just like to see that across across the nation. Me, me and, too. Yeah. My, my wife's an educator, and mm -hmm. I, I recognize uh, the importance of education in our life and our family as well. And so I applaud mm -hmm. what you and your organization are doing. If if someone listening today would like to learn more about you, Gita, specifically, or your organization, how do they find you on LinkedIn and your organization online? They can find me, um, if they can Google me on LinkedIn, um, Gita Sharifi, G-U-I-T-A-S-H-A-R-I-F as in Frank I. On LinkedIn, um, also for the organization, www.llac.org or learn for number four, learnforlife.org. Um, they can find all the schools where they're located. You know, these are, again, non-tuition public schools. So they're authorized by the districts. Um, if they're looking for flexible um, schooling, you know, or international, um, they can find us online. Oh. I want to thank you for giving of your busy time, making time to be a guest here on Critical Mass Business Talk Show and being a friend of the program, Gita. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Rick, for having me. I'd also like to thank Gottlieb, Brackman, and Reisman, who proudly supported this edition of Critical Mass Business Talk Show. GRRPC provides legal advice and guidance on all aspects of intellectual law, including patents, trademarks, and copyrights. To learn more, visit them at grr.com. And thank you to our audience for being a part of Orange County's longest running mm -hmm. business talk show. Gita's episode was episode number 1,326. If we're not currently connected on LinkedIn, I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. That's also my website, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank you.